now I've got people behind me and in front of me too. Sometimes that feels kind of the way life is, doesn't it? Feels like God is behind us, in front of us, and all around us. Am I still on? Okay. Yes, I am. These stories of wandering in the wilderness, these repeated stories of murmuring and sometimes described as grumbling by the people of Israel with God, seem to almost have no end. And we read them in the Bible, the Old Testament, and we kind of say, wow, boy, those people are really stupid. You know, I mean, they are slow, slow. I mean, really slow to get it. We feel so spiritually superior when we read about them taking 40 years to get over themselves. And we think, man, they're slow learners. But you know, actually... It didn't take them 40 years to get to the place where the wilderness sojourn was going to take 40 years. Actually, it was within the first couple of years that God decided these folks just weren't going to get it. And then God decided that over the rest of that four years, they would wander in order that their generations who follow them might get it. Still feeling spiritually superior? I know this is the Old Testament. Whew, I'm glad I'm a guy in the New Testament, aren't you? Only problem is, the New Testament doesn't make any biblical sense without the Old Testament. The New Testament is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. It's not the replacement of the Old Testament. Some things go away and some things are replaced. But the God of the Old Testament, despite what many people want to believe, is the same God who sent Jesus. It is the same God we see revealed in the New Testament. So we have to be very discerning as we read and study the scriptures in the Old Testament. Not to go overboard. Not to do what some people love to do in these inane, biblically ignorant things they write. Some of them with many degrees after their name. And they'll talk about the God of genocide in the Old Testament. And make me want to puke. God is not a God of genocide, but sin does kill. Are you clear about that? God was very, very clear that sin could spread if not handled. Do you get that? If we don't participate in the God of, with the Savior of grace, then the God of Love and mercy and justice will take action. That's true corporately as well as individually. Now, you say, well, Preacher, are you trying to frighten us this morning? No, I'm just trying to talk about the text. If you can read that text and not be frightened, there's not anything I can do to help you. 
But for those of you who might have been listening to the text, I'll go ahead and make a shot at it. But I promised last week, 1140. I don't think you can take more than about 10 minutes of this anyway. While they were wandering around in the desert, God had been displaying his power to sustain the people as well as save them. He had already saved them and delivered them from Egypt. He got them out in the desert. He proceeded to give them meat. He proceeded to give them water. He proceeded to give them guidance with his presence by day and night. I mean, he was with them. God was all in, in our language. He was there to guide them and to show them everything. And in the process, he was testing them. He was disciplining them. He was refining them with the trial of living in the wilderness. Why wilderness wanderings work is because God decided that we in our humanity needed wilderness wanderings. If you don't believe wilderness wanderings are necessary, clue yourself in to the state of our nation today. This is what happens to people when they have more than they need and their ability to provide for themselves seems to be almost complete. This is what happens when people are not tied by the soil to the God of climate and climatology. This is what happens when people get so able and capable of sustaining so much of their life on their own efforts that they begin to believe, if not really intentionally, unintentionally, that they can survive without God. I wish I could tell you that's just not so. The problem is, I've been watching it for 62 years, most of the beginning of which I was ignorant to all of that going on around me. I am not ignorant to it anymore. It is everywhere. It is in us. We are so westernly self-reliant that God probably takes regular doses of Pepto-Bismol, Alka-Seltzer, anything to calm his stomach. Because we insist on wandering in the desert and going, well, this water doesn't really taste good. I'm, let's move to a city where the water tastes better. Or let's buy something different at the grocery store. Or let's get a bigger freezer so we can have more stuff to pick from. I'm bored with all that food we have. Poor us. Grumble, grumble, grumble. Let's get all our water purified and in bottles. Brian, are you here? I don't think Brian is here today. Is he here? Oh, he's here. Okay. Purified water in bottles is necessary. Because we're so good at messing it up. If you don't believe that, ask Brian. <laughs> Almost everything we have is necessary, like paper plates. Plastic utensils that break when you try to use them. Food wrapped in given dates on it so we'll know how long it lasts because we probably only want it for a little bit and then we throw it out to the dog or the cat. Or... If we really love our dogs and cats, we won't even give it to them. 
much of the world could feast on what we throw away, right? We are in such a wilderness. We are in such a wilderness, and we need to realize we're in the wilderness so that our wilderness wanderings can pay off. Nothing is sadder than to find someone waiting around in the cesspool of their life and not even realize that they're waiting in sewage. And nothing is sadder to God than to watch the children he created in his own image continue to wallow in the mess of life. God does not want that for us. God wants us to learn from the time we're in the wilderness so that we might come out of the wilderness having passed the test. You see, God is not tempting us. God is testing us so that we might learn about ourselves. And in so learning, we might avoid some of the pitfalls in life because of what we've learned from the past and because we have learned to trust in the God of the present. Now, complaining in the books of Exodus and Numbers really are telling some of the same story. And it's a little confusing, I know that. And it's a little hard at times to tell exactly where you are. But the complaining takes on two kinds of characters. In the beginning, as God is with Israel, when they're complaining, God is pretty quick to respond, right? God is pretty quick to reach out and to meet their needs. He gives them water. He turns, when they're tired of the manna, he gives them the quail, right? He humors them. Why? Because they are infant followers of Christ. And infant followers of Christ have to be given time to mature. That's true for your children. It occurred to me today, as I was trying to get the children to leave, and they didn't want to leave, they had more questions, that there are so many things we need to tell our children about the faith. So many things about life that their little sponge lives want to soak up. I mean, you know, all kinds of things. When are you going to change the colors on your robe? Well, it's a mystery to them. They don't know why we're wearing colors on our robe. They thought maybe we just were going to the closet and pick out the color we wanted to be dressed in that day, right? You know, like a woman picking out what she wants to wear for to come to church. How long does that take at your house? Well, let's don't talk about that, okay? Uh, rather than wander in the closet, let's wander somewhere else. Let's wander about how long it took the men to get ready to come to church. Okay, that's better. That's safer. Wandering is one thing, but in the wandering, we have to learn. Because, you see, at some point, after we've been wandering with God for a while, and God has been meeting our needs, and we, he's been showing us how much we can trust him, then the wanderings usually take on a more serious nature. In fact, they will, I can assure you. At some point in your life, your wanderings, your desert places, your dry, empty places, when you find yourself at a place where you do not have the resources to take care of yourself, you see, that's a desert. Now, that kind of desert can occur in many kind of ways and places. It's not all about just food and, wa and water. It can be about many things where you are beyond your resources to care for your immediate needs. And you don't know where you're going to get those resources. It is at that time and that moment in your life, where, however that has manifested itself to you, that you become aware and ready to trust in God, hopefully, if you're a Christian. You learn to trust Really trust in God. Now, by the time this story is being told, it's kind of right before they have not yet received the commandments they're going to get between 17 and 20, telling them how to live. After those commandments are received, God begins to grow weary of their complaining. It becomes 
not just grumbling. It becomes rebellion. Who is this guy you sent to us? Sounds like a pulpit committee, doesn't it? This guy Moses is a jerk. Get him out of here and tell the Pope to send us another one. Or the bishop. Or the pulpit search committee. Get him out of here. The man that God had chosen for them was not good enough. That would be true of kings too, wouldn't it? In fact, it would be true of them even needing a king at all. God wanted to be their king, but God wasn't good enough. Imagine that. So they wanted to replace God with a human king because after all, they are so dependable right yes sad story we're so much smarter than that you see whenever we go to the wilderness in that place of unstructured order that time where we find ourselves unable to take care of ourselves in the scriptures it's usually presented as a time when people go into the wilderness intentionally to escape persecution or perhaps to prepare as Jesus did for the coming kingdom of God. But sometimes people go there simply to experience a new beginning as well. It often takes place in a positive way as a new beginning, not just as a wilderness of pain and hurt, but as a place of new beginning. So when we're finding these stories about the desert in the scripture, it's talking about usually about one of those three things, whether it be fleeing persecution or whether it be waiting for the kingdom of God and preparing for it or as we do in Lent or whether it be about a new beginning as we often find in our regular lives when we have many deserts in our lives it becomes a place of new beginning when we're in that desert it is here that they learn that wilderness is a passageway not a destination I wish people could get that about life that life is a passageway not the destination. The hardest thing to convince most Americans is this. Heaven is better than living in Texas. <laughs> I know it's hard to believe. Heaven is better than living in San Diego where the weather is always heavenly. Heaven is better than the biggest mansion in your city. But it's hard to believe. I can touch the mansion in the city. Heaven is better than having the basketball team who's still playing. <laughs> Heaven is better than anything we can imagine on this earth. And that's why it is described in terms beyond anything they could imagine in the days the book was being written. Because we should never be able to imagine what heaven is. And so when I hear people say, well, I know heaven's supposed to be really good, but boy, you know, it's pretty good here. I'm not quite ready to go see. I kind of cringe a little. Now, I understand. You know, I've not yet gone out to wait in line for the bus coming for heaven. I, I still I kind of enjoy hanging around. But I'm pretty much convinced at this point that heaven's got to be better. It's got to be better. Can you imagine how good donuts will be in heaven? <laughs> they won't put on pounds. They'll all come with ice cream. You won't need to run around in heaven to work off the calories from them. And when you get through eating them, you can sit down and just have another whole plate of chicken fried steak. And you won't feel hunger. You'll just feel funny because you can have it all. It'll just be great. You know, there won't be any house payments to make. There won't be any teachers to give you assignments. 
I don't know what we'll be doing in heaven. I don't know who'll be in charge. But I don't believe there'll be any assignments, no homework. I think there'll probably be golf courses, but I'm not for sure about that. <laughs> there might be places to fish. I'm not for sure about that. I don't think there'll be any places to run track. We won't need to run to be in shape. That would just seem wrong. <laughs> Instead, it'll be everything we could ever want so we can always feel grateful. So we can always feel like we trust God and that we never want to rebel against God. It will always feel like God is present with us and we'll never forget that God is. In other words, it will feel opposite of all the way the people of Israel felt in this wilderness. Because you see, they were ungrateful for all that God had been doing for them. They wanted more. Sound familiar to you? They wanted more. They wanted more. The people who live just outside of poverty in this country are living better than most of the rest of the peoples of this world and they want more. The people who are in the middle class are certainly living better than almost everybody else in this world and they want more. The people who are in the lower upper class, guess what they want? Guess what you want? so hard not to be human here, isn't it? It's just so hard. I need to finish. I'm feeling depressed. Y'all are, y'all are such sinners. <laughs> Hanging around with y'all is a drag sometimes. <laughs> I look at you and I think about some of you older than I am, you're still sinning. Why are y'all laughing so much back here? <laughs> what y'all doing back here behind me? We have to laugh or we'll start crying. Wilderness work, wanderings work, and they work out because they are commonplace in the earthly journey for humans. And they have been ever since Adam and Eve messed up. And they will be until Christ returns. So get used to it. If you don't want to live in the wilderness, go ahead and make your reservation for heaven and fulfill it. Because as long as you're on this earth, you're going to have some wilderness times. You're going to have wilderness times because of sin. Usually, granted, from the Methodist perspective, because of other people's sin. I want to be sure you get it. Usually because we need testing, because it's in our testing that we are re-encouraged to trust God because we've forgotten since yesterday. Wilderness wanderings work because God knows that we need it, even when we don't know it. God knows it. Because we are prone to wander from God's ways. And from God's presence. I wish it were not so. Wilderness wanderings work because God wants to prove to us 
that God will not only save us, but that he will sustain us. Heaven is not just a place to go to. Heaven is about living now in God's presence. To the extent we live in God's presence moment by moment, we are in heaven already, despite whatever our physical realities may be. It's like being in a donut shop and not needing to eat just one. I don't know why I'm talking about donuts so often. <laughs> when I get to dreaming about them, I'll think it's time, and I'll let you figure out what it's time for. But that will be what heaven will be like. It will be like being in the land of plenty because God will be right there beside you, and trust is so easy when God is right there beside you, right? It's like a child learning to swim the first time they jump in the water. As long as they can hold your hands and jump into the water, the little child will just jump right off, right? But if you step off, two steps backward, they're afraid they can't catch you. Sarah would not jump in the water. She was like, no, no, no. You know the only way that Sarah jumped in the water? It's because her daddy was so ignorant. Back in the day, I promised her a certain kind of bear that was very popular. What was the name of it, Sally? You know, it's very, very handy to have you this close where I have to just ask you. She's feeling particularly like she's in the desert, so she came to the front row today, I guess. Yes. She... <laughs> They're the sinners. I'm the leader, remember? <laughs> Teddy Ruxpin. I'll get you Teddy Ruxpin if you'll just jump in the water. You will? Yes, I will. I promise. You sure you're going to catch me? I will, but I'm going to get the Teddy Ruxpin. Yep, if you jump in the water now. She jumped. I was happy, and then Sally told me how much the Teddy Ruxpin bear cost. <laughs> now I knew how much it cost to buy my daughter at a very young age. Why will we jump into the water of fear for something and not someone? We're so human. We're so human. Wilderness wanderings work because when we are reaching our limits to cope, then we are driven to trust in God because no one else can help us. Wilderness wanderings work because then we experience that trust in God or we realize we have lost our trust in God. The most important thing we can realize in our life is that relationship with God has broken down. Okay, I don't like wildernesses, but y'all need it. I know a lot of preachers that need it. It helps us remember so that we can be grateful. It presents, prevents us from making idols of ourselves when we reach our limits. It's your time of Lenten journey. I hope in your Lenten journey that you won't shy away from it, 
or that you won't ignore it, but that you will actually and really examine your life and ask yourself, are you right now in a journey of trust or at a point of distrust about your future or about your presence? Are you at a time when it's hard to remember when the Christ really acted in your life? If it's that time for you and you need to recommit yourself to Christ, I invite you to come to the chancel and just pray. God will meet you there. You, never, you can't go so far in the wilderness that Christ won't meet you. If you're here and you don't know Christ as your Savior, we'll be glad to introduce you to him. If you're here today and you know Christ as your Savior but you don't have a church family, look at us. We have seats available, especially as long as the choir's up front and the orchestra. And we will let you have a seat among us so that you can be with us in everything we do. We're here for you, and we want you to be here for us. Let's stand and sing our closing song of worship today.